Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I'm here with Bob Richardson, longtime friend and colleague. Bob was a key guy in our company, was very involved with the subscription process, which as when we had a, a million copies going out there, a bunch of them were subscriptions, and they always wanted to get their copies. And Bob was involved in all the, the marketing, the promotion, the distribution, the, the databasing, all of the stuff there. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Bob. But first, thanks for sponsors, Top Spinini and Upper Deck. Again, many of the sponsors, certainly those, were also advertisers. And we're interested in our rate base that Bob helped prop up. Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, and ComC.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. A lot of names from my past there. Uh, a lot of names from the past. They're enduring. And I, I do know that you've moved on to another outstanding company. But Bob, welcome to the show. And tell Thanks. us about how you uh, came to Beckett Publications and uh, what you enjoyed about the job and uh, just any little tidbits you want to give us. And I'll chime in and make sure that we're trying to provide some sports card insights for our loyal listeners. So welcome, Bob Richardson. I appreciate it, Dr. Beckett. It's an honor to be your friend. It's an honor to be associated with you, with you these many years. I started at Beckett Publications in uh, 1993. I started in the customer service department and uh, cut my teeth learning about the hobby in that department. A whole bunch of great people to work with. Our main purpose there was to service the sports card dealers across the country working with that distribution channel. It was a little unusual in uh, magazine publication distribution and marketing because we had three channels. We had the subscription, which we're going to get to later here. We had the newsstand, and then we had the independent dealers all across the country. Many magazine publishers don't have that. They just have the two modes of uh, circulation. That's what I did for the first six or seven years. Then I spent time in the grading department, a couple of years there and then got the opportunity to move to subscription management and circulation management in 2001. I was there until I left the company in 2010. Did you seek that job? I thought we sought you for that job. Was, was it a, a mutual thing? or? It was a mutual thing. It was a position that opened, and Mark Harwell, another uh, name from our past and a good friend, talked to me about moving from the grading department into the subscription marketing department. It was a uh, new area for me and one that I was interested in, I was excited about, and so I agreed to take that on. One of the things we did, just to get it back to the then and now of our company, we didn't really have like target bonuses as much as we had uh, more interpretive bonuses because in many companies, if you were leaving a group like the grading group that was starting to grow and had a lot of potential and going into subscriptions, which was a little bit of the not the redheaded stepchild, but we did big numbers with the card shops. We did big numbers with the uh, national newsstand and subscriptions was very steady. It wasn't as dynamic, but you really came in and had a steady hand on. You still can mess up and, you, <laughs> and, and, and there's huge opportunity there. So I think you were a really good person for that job and I'm glad you're willing to jump in and come up to speed really quickly. What about your, any collecting background that you had? Because I don't remember that you were any... No, I really didn't. And in some ways, that I, I looked at that in some ways and as, as an advantage because I had some business uh, knowledge coming into the, into the field. I learned a whole lot real quick, especially when it came to the grading. Those two years when I was with grading, a lot of the uh, guys were still in awe. They were collectors, so they were in awe of these cards that were coming through. To me, it was... I didn't have that allure of the, of the, oh my gosh, look at this card. For me, it was, okay, let's talk the, talk about this as a business. So there was a balance there. On the subscription side, I'm hoping it was a stepping stone to your next job because you've been at another company for 
10 years? How, how long have you been? Yes, 10 years. And I, it, was, it was definitely a stepping stone. The fit for my position now was excellent because of all the things that I'd learned and done at Beckett. I saw that coming because I was on the board of that other company. I could see that they took a fresh approach at some of the things they were doing. Very, and I, I hate to say similar to our company. There was a real family orientation, I felt. And I yes. knew you would do well. And uh, the fact that it was also in Texas, one of their operations. So I'm really yes. glad that worked out. One of the things that was really great about bringing you into your position on subscriptions, where we didn't have to hire somebody from outside that we'd have to coach up into the peculiarities of the sports card industry, is that when my New York professional subscription consultant friends would look and they'd say, you know what, you're losing all these subscribers, and it looks like they're leaving at about the age of 16. You're not promoting them properly. You need to send them more renewal letters and and give them some incentives. Then voila, they seem to come back when they were 27 or something. (laughs) Uh, So we had a dark period where people were high school or college and then they came back. But you got that. It's chasing after people that expire. I always love doing expiry surveys to find out why they left. And the other problem you had but of being a, a really sharp guy is to realize that some of the subscribers that you lost actually went back to the preference of buying it in the local card shop. Yes. Because the timing was very similar. And if anything, sometimes the card shops got it before the subscribers. Yeah. yeah. And that was always the struggle, the timing of the delivery. The dealers uh, would tell us that they got the magazines before the subscribers. And of course the subscribers would complain that the dealers got it first. And <laughs> in reality, they could both be right because it's very regional. The distribution channels differ all across the country. But yes, I knew there was that dark period. There was that gap. Our, our market was predominantly male, very much. And I always kidded myself that uh, and talked to others about it. we lose the guys when they discover girls and their attentions goes elsewhere. And then they come back when their life settles down. That was always my running joke. But yes, we did get them back. And we come to find out that we never really lost them, like you men- mentioned. Predominantly, they would tell us that they just didn't get it every month. They got it at the newsstand every other month or every third month. So I guess that would be a net drop in circulation, but we never really lost those guys. They came back eventually. How did you finesse the fact? Because I know this was, I'm pontificating these things, but we actually tried to have some subtle preference toward the dealer distribution network. I, I think you fully bought into that. That's just the way our company was structured. But did that cause you problems or did you just see that as an opportunity to work around and finesse the fact that, like I said, the dealers, we did not want the dealers to get the copies after the subscribers. I always looked at that as a big picture thing. Every company has its unique marketing aspects. When you're assigned a segment of that marketing, you want to plead for your own case. You want to plug your own intent and you want to make sure that you get first crack at the market. But I always looked at that as a big picture thing. Our company really did have three modes of circulation. And it was a trade-off. We did have newsstand, we did have the dealers, and we had subscribers. And each one of those markets wanted it all. The newsstand wanted more, the dealers certainly wanted more, and the subscribers liked the uh, convenience and the cost, the, the price break of getting it delivered there to their home. But to me, it was just something that was unique to Beckett. It was uh, something that in subscription marketing, you just had to understand. It was a win-win for the company. But we would have liked to have a win-win because <laughs> most subscription professionals uh, work for publications that are ad-driven. When they're yeah. ad-driven, there's a real concerted effort to increase the rate base. We had ads 
Actually, we didn't start out with ads, but we had more and more ads, but not so many ads that we were going to allow you to turn on the spigot and go through these agents and other places that can get you subscriptions for cheap. They weren't right. profitable except for the ad rate base that they increased. It's just the way we were structured. And I, like I said, I think SFG, your current place is pretty similar. I, huh? I think it's more balanced, but they have a real trust relationship with the readers in their publications that they do. You're just not going to say, we're going to take any and all ads. The subscription needs to be worth it. If they're selling subscriptions for $2.95, like what you get for some of the, the sweepstakes and other kinds of places, you'd get a couple bucks for what yeah. would otherwise be a $20 subscription. We didn't want yeah. to play that game. It's interesting that you brought up agencies because that was one of the first things I tackled when I got into the, the subscription management area was taking a deep look at the agency business that we were getting. And agencies can be great for a lot of publications. At, at SFG, we have a lot of publications that have, do huge business with agencies. It typically fits into the rate base model that you mentioned earlier and uh, proving to advertisers that you have this circulation that's stable. But every publication, every business is different. And at, at the time for Beckett, the agencies just weren't contributing a lot of circulation to our bottom line. And it's very expensive circulation wasn't a rocket science. All I did was take a look at the uh, business that was coming in, what we were paying for it, and decided, along with you and the others that were in control, we decided, okay, we'll take the agency business, but it has to be it has to be a break-even thing. Yeah. Most of the agencies declined to promote us heavily after that because they were in it for uh, a lot more of the cut of the pie than that. In fact, a lot of agencies have negative remits for the first year where you pay them, they keep what they get from the subscriber, and you pay them in addition to that. So it's an expensive way to increase circulation, but effective if that's your business model. Our business model was more viral. We wanted to put out a great product and have people get it and tell their friends. And we were ambivalent, sort of, to whether they would get it from their dealer or the newsstand or the subscription. I'm not saying that made it hard on you because I think you were working just as hard no matter what, but some of your efforts were not evident. But if the whole team benefited from a strong subscription. One other issue that I wanted to bring up is that we also had a bias toward writing our own software. Mm -hmm. Were you involved in, in having homegrown software as opposed to other software in the subscription space? Because we had enough peculiarities that off-the-shelf software frequently didn't exactly fit us without a lot of adaptation. <clears throat> that was certainly true when it came to dealer sales. When I was in the customer service and dealer sales department, when it came to subscriptions, then when I started there, we were with a company in Des Moines and they would provide all of the raw data for our reports or our evaluation, marketing, renewal, analysis, invoice, payout, all that. They would provide all the raw data. It was up to us to crunch it and put it into readable reports. Unfortunately, a very manual process at the beginning. They would send us actual green bar paper. I always kid that it would be 40 pounds of green bar. And we'd have two or three people going through this page by page and translating it into an Excel table. As time progressed, and, and fortunately, we moved fulfillment companies to SFG where everything was online. And we got all that raw data digitally and it made it a whole lot easier. I personally had a bias, and, and you may know this, but I was the original subscription guy. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the software 
I wrote the software for the subscription until we got up to, I don't know, a few thousand subscribers or something. Yeah. Before you got there, I quickly exited stage left or stage right, whichever one it's where you're not coming back. <laughs> um, it's funny you should mention that because in the later years, we would float out new titles, as the quarterlies, the whatever, and we would want to try subscriptions. Starting up a new title at a fulfillment company is rather expensive. There's upfront costs and startup costs for building renewal notices and invoicing and everything like that. At the time when we were just floating these new publications out, we didn't really want to commit to those startup costs right away until we knew that it had legs. So I would actually manage these subscriptions for a time out of Excel. Okay. So those, we perpetuated even that. I love that. A man after my own heart. Thanks Bob, <laughs> for sharing the then and now about the Beckett uh, subscription policies. Again, if, if people like you and, and me too had not stood in the gap, this industry might not be where it is now because I think subscriptions were a real important part of, of our distribution because there are a lot of people that weren't near a card shop. And then, mm-hmm. I yes. could say they weren't near a newsstand, but they could be near a Walmart. But again, it just to have a subscription delivered to your mailbox was a big deal and to do it efficiently and with consistency and all that stuff. Richardson, thank you very much. Thank you, listeners. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode and hear about some other aspect of Sports Card Insight. So thanks, Bob. Thanks, everybody. Be back tomorrow. Thank you, Dr. Beckett.